5.22, Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the afflictions and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, I pray that you would just help us now uh, to get all the joy we can out of what will be looked at tonight. And we want to thank you and praise you for those who have come this way. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> uh, the contrast between works and fruit is important. A machine in a factory, it works and it turns out a product, but it could never manufacture fruit. Listen, fruit must grow out of a life that is sold out and dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we don't claim it to be our fruit, but it's His fruit. And that's what He's saying. But the fruit of the Spirit, the Spirit of God, not the Spirit of the devil, but the Spirit of God. And I wonder sometimes about us. You know, some of our fruit looks like it came from the spirit of the devil. And he talks about those uh, those different kinds uh, of fruit over there in uh, verse uh, 19. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath. He names those things. Those are the spirit of the devil's fruits. We don't need to be caught with uh, such fruits, but fruits of the Spirit of God. When you think of the works, uh, we think of effort, we think of labor, we think of straining and toiling when we think of works. But when we think of fruit, we think of the beauty that's in the fruit, the quietness in the way that it is performed, in a life that is unfolding for Jesus. We think of little children. Hey, their lives are slowly unfolding. We can't wait for them to talk. We can't wait for them to walk. And then later we wish they would slow down. Don't run because of skinned knees. And I wish they'd be quiet. Their lives are constantly unfolding. And so are yours, and so is mine. Uh, thank you for your prayers this evening, uh, for this afternoon, for the funeral went real well. And thinking about our lives unfolding uh, as Mr. Claiborne's came to an end at 90 years old, and they closed the lid. And his life is over here, as we know it. His life was lived, it was unfolded, and then it was folded back up. And the memories are still here. But tonight we want to look at the fruit of the Spirit, number two, which is joy. Uh, where do we get this joy? I want to share it with you in three different uh, areas. There's the 
the plan, there's the power, and then there's the peril of it. And so I just want to look at each one. If we think of the plan of joy, first of all, the birth of Jesus. Now, we know that angels came from heaven and announced this great birth. And they shouted it out with joy. This, this joy fell from the lips of the angels onto the ears of the shepherds. And they were so joyous about it that they said, let us go and to see this thing which has come to pass. It was joy unspeakable that was sent from heaven. That was his birth. Then came his life as he began to grow up. Um, as Christ went about doing things that uh, was right in the sight of his father. In Acts 10.38, we find these words that God anointed Jesus, his own son. He anointed him to preach the word. He anointed him to perform the miracles. He anointed him to feed the hungry and raise the, the sick and raise the dead. He anointed him to do that. That was power from God Almighty through his Son, and it gave Jesus joy in his heart to be able to do these things. I'm, I'm thinking probably, uh, probably the most joyous occasion was when he raised the little boy back to life. They were crying, going on, the mother, sure, heartbroken. And then where the scripture says, and he delivered him to his mother. Can you imagine the, the joy that must have been in their heart? So we see, we see his birth, we see his life, we also see his death. It brought joy. In John 1, 36, because Jesus is the Lamb of God, and his death proved that it was a perfect lamb. People were bringing lambs, sick, crippled, and what have you. And he said, you know, this no longer can be. I don't want sacrifice of, of animals, but I want you to be sacrificing toward following me. And Jesus proved the, the ultimate sacrifice uh, when he died on the cross. And it was joy. Now, when he died, it wasn't joy for his mother. All the disciples, their joy was gone. But just three days later, God gave it back to them when they saw Jesus alive through the resurrection. You know, that's nothing short of a miracle when we think of the resurrection of a dead person back to life. I'm thinking about Lazarus and his resurrection. Um, when Martha was so concerned, Lord, if you'd just been here. She wasn't saying if you'd have been here and touched him, if you'd have been here and said something. If you'd have just been here, my brother would not have died. Is that thing ringing to y'all? Huh? It is, isn't it? I thought I heard it up here. Huh? Well, when Jesus said, if you'd have just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus, he simply said, but Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. She said, I know, I know you are. And he, I know he's going he's gonna to raise up at the last time, but I'm talking about now. And again, I'm the resurrection. You know, show me. Show me. Take me to the grave. Show me. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go touch the grave. He just spoke it into being. What joy 
to see a dead man walk forth out of a grave and Jesus seeing him say, hey, loose him and let him go. I want to see him moving around. And that's what they did. And then there was joy uh, in the ascension. Now, in John 14, 1 through 3, that's what Jesus said, In the Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. I go to prepare a place for it, and if I go, I will come again. And also, as he was taken up in the Scripture there, uh, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, uh, there, was, there was two men in white apparel appeared. And they said, hey, you guys, uh, why, why are you looking so disappointed? They were looking toward heaven as Jesus was taken out of sight. I love what they said to them. They said, this same Jesus, okay? Not a substitute, not a cowboy Jesus, but the real Jesus. This same Jesus, whom you've seen taken up, is going to come back in like manner. The Bible says he was taken up into the clouds and out of sight. Well, the Bible says when he comes back, he's going to stop in the clouds. What joy that's going to be when the graves of Christians pop open and the Christians come out of that grave and we who are alive and remain as Christians shall be caught up to meet them in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll never ever be separated again. We'll never have to say goodbye again. You know what a joy it is to 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 see friends that we haven't seen in a long time and be able to talk with them. My sister uh, called me this morning. Uh, she tries to call her brother every Sunday morning, and I'm trying to make phone calls. And I, I sometimes I miss her call, and sometimes I call her and she don't get mine. But anyway, she was invited to a birthday party of one of her classmates, and the classmate that she went for had a brother uh, who was uh, really about a year younger than me. And Kathy says this, said, uh, Jerry, uh, come up to me and ask me a question. He said, I hate to ask you this uh, and embarrass you or hurt your feelings, but is your brother still living? <laughs> she said, yeah, he's still living. <laughs> but, you know, we do. We lose track and we lose sight of time. And we do. We don't want to say, "Hey, is your brother still living?" Said, "No, he he passed on." Okay. Well, praise the Lord, I'm still here and and still going. And somebody says, "Well, um, are you still at First Baptist?" I said, "Well, I was Sunday morning. Now this week, I can say I was Sunday night. Um, you never know about what might come forth or what might happen. But not only the plan, God had a plan, and He gave it to us in His birth." He gave it to us through His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension. And all that is, is reason enough to be joyous to know that He cared enough about us to fulfill the plan and carry it on so we can be a part of that plan. So not only the plan of joy, but there's the power of this joy. When we think about power, hey, you know, just this morning, I mean, the music was fantastic. It was it was power coming out of music, and it was the display of, of, of our, our little uh, children, our little boys with the flags and the Bible and the praying, and, 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 and then to have Miss Gay go from real young to very old and, and in voice and through music, and then to, to have our choir. <coughs> and then the 
presentation of God's Word. I, I've, you know, I've never experienced that before in a church where that many Bibles uh, were given out. I, I forget what Max said. There was, uh, how many? 32 Bibles given out this morning to 32 different teenage youngins who will take that home. And I have encouraged them in my writings to make it a part of their everyday life. It must be, y'all. We've got to encourage them that it be. So the power. There's joy in salvation. Hey, that's nothing short of God's power. When He reaches down and saves a person out of their sinful condition to become a child of God. I mean, that, that's authority. That's that's power. And in Luke 15, 7, it says, Joy in heaven over one sinner who repents of their sin. Just one. Can you imagine the joy that is in heaven among the angels? I mean, it's like turning their eyes and looking at Jesus and saying, Hey, you got another one. You got another one. Another payment's been made out of your blood. That's power. That's authority. And not, not only in salvation, but we see joy in sorrow. Think of Job's life. Listen. <clears throat> Job lost all he had. You know what he said? Naked I came into this world. Naked I'll leave. I didn't bring anything in here. It's a known fact. I'll not take anything out. Uh, Job had faith in God, and here's what he said. I'm going to serve him if he kills me. I'm going to keep on. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to serve the Lord. He's given me the authority. He's given me the courage. He's died for me. I can't afford to back up. I can't afford to quit. He also said he knew God uh, was alive. He simply said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And nothing is going to stop him from coming when the time comes. Well, Job got home before Jesus is left to come back. Job was tired. Can you imagine all the bad news that he had gotten? And all that was going on with his life. And yet, he was willing to still go through the fire. Now, going through the fire will make us like a gold gem. It'll, it'll, it'll strengthen us. It will encourage us. Life's not meant to be a bed of roses. You know, we paint a beautiful picture sometimes to lost people say, if you just get saved, everything will work out. Everything will be all right. No, it won't. It will not. If you think you got troubles now as a lost person, you invite Jesus into your heart through the Holy Spirit of God. And the devil is going to beat us up every day he can. You're not what you say you are. You just made a fool of yourself. Everybody just thought, well, okay. It's the power that God has invested in His Son, Jesus Christ, and that they both invested in the Holy Spirit to come to this earth, to come into our heart, to save us, to, to lead us and to guide us and support us, and always there for us. 23rd Psalm. Good. Good job. 
Well, there's power also, uh, there's joy in sickness. Paul had a thorn in the flesh, the Bible says. Ask God three times, can you please get this out of me? I'm having time dealing with it. I can't do what I want to do for you. Well, God said, I tell you what, I could, but I'm not going to right now. But my grace is sufficient. You're going to have, still have authority. You're still going to have power. You're still going to be able to function in spite of this stone in the flesh. Sickness. What about suffering? We don't like to suffer, do we? We don't like going to the doctor. You continue to pray for Josh. He's still not well. We don't know what's, we don't know what's going on yet. But suffering. Now, I don't think we've seen it yet. I don't think we've seen the suffering and that, that persecution is going to soon offer you and I as Christians. Place where we work, place where we go. I believe it's not going to get any better. I only believe it's going to get worse. And we're going to have to be stronger. We're going to have to stand up according to God's Word. Not according to what I say or what I suggest, but what the Word of God says. And stand on it. And bank on it. Because, hey, when it's all said and done, the only thing that's going to count is what we've done for Jesus. People may talk all manner of of talk about us and the way we do, but that's okay. You see, um, we need to know this, that God is in control. And best thing to do is don't fight it when it comes, but just stand on His Word. Stand on His Word. I think of Jesus and all the things that He did in the world. And when He was taken out into the wilderness and the devil shows up and starts tempting Him. And all He did, now He could have put Him in His place. Hey, snap of a finger, He could have blowed Him away. But He used the Word of God. The Son of God used the Word of God to defeat the devil. The Bible says he left him. And as soon as he left him, what happened? God sent angels that ministered to him. He'll do the same for you. He'll do the same for me through his power. Well, let me, let's look at the peril. That is the danger and the risk. If we're going to be joyous in this world, there is danger. Listen. One may lose the joy of the Lord because of struggles and troubles and trials. We may lose our joy. I didn't say lose our salvation. You can't do it. If you got it, you can't lose it. Right? Hello? So, we may be discouraged to the point we lose our joy. Because David prayed, Lord, please restore to me the joy of my salvation. See, he remembered how it used to be. And he was suffering. He was going through a lot. Hey, some people say, well, he brought it on himself. I agree. He did. He brought it on himself. And we teaching our kids that uh, at the uh, Good News Club, hey, who's to blame for sin? And they already got it, guys. They'll say, I am. I tell them, you can't blame anybody for your problem. We would like to. Just like when God questioned Adam, he said, well, there's a woman you gave me. 
Well, he says, what about it, Eve? Well, it's that serpent you sent. We always want to blame somebody else when it's me. Uh, was it Tennessee Ernie Ford saying, it's me, old me, me, old Lord, standing in the need of prayer? Some of you men that sing bass, you need to do that song. You don't know how it goes. I got it on record. I mean on 33 and a third record. Some of you know what 33 and a third is. <laughs> but the joy. The devil, listen. His job is to kill our joy. Remember John 10, 10? What does it say? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He will steal what? Steal our blessings. Kill our joy and destroy our testimony. Listen, that's all we've got. The Word of God in our testimony. I mean, I, I'm, I even tell our grand young, look, you, it don't take but a split second to ruin your entire life. You may, you may never get over it. God will forgive you, but you may never get over it. It don't take but a little bit. And we must be on guard because of the danger that lurks after us. Now, you know, after David prayed, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation. We may lose our joy because we got angry. We do have a tendency to get angry sometimes. When we get angry, we lose our joy of the Lord. It shows up that we lose it when we get angry. Hey, preachers get angry, deacons get angry, church members get angry, and we do and say things and create actions that we can't take back. We can ask for forgiveness, but people will remember how we were angry. Not only anger, but criticism. Being critical toward others. It shows the lack of joy in the Lord. Being critical. Uh, what do you call it? Constructive Criticism. You know, could I just talk to you a minute? Okay. You're doing a great job, but. Always dreaded that but. It all depends on the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can be working on both sides, okay? So that's why before we go to... I don't need mean to use the word, but I don't see nothing else in you. Before we begin to criticize somebody, we need to have prayed about it. Lord, how can I approach this situation? Because it needs to be approached. You must pray. And as we pray, in, I mean, the Spirit of God, we pray also that it'll work on the other end. You might find that that person might say, well, you know, I know that I was struggling, but I just didn't know who to talk to. You and I might be the only one that can help them get through it. Okay? There's anger. There's criticism. Well, you're going to say both of these are the same thing. Well, sin. Sin. Sin separates men from God. That's another thing we've been teaching our uh, good news kids. Sin separates. And we teach them, do you want to be separated from God to where you don't have any more love, you don't have any more compassion, you don't have any other comfort at all? Do you want to be on the devil's side? Lord, they'll shout right quick, no! So, okay, then whose side do you want to be on? I want to be on God's side. Then you've got to leave sin alone. 
You can't dilly-dally around with it. And again, I'll show that big sign, S-I-N. I say, what's in the middle? They'll say, I. I say, who's to blame? I am. I mean, hey, we drill it in them every week. We only have them, what, five years? From if they, if they enter the program when they, as soon as they can, and then they graduate at the, after the fifth grade. And we've got, I want you to listen. Now, those of you who work in the Good News Club, you know what I'm talking about. We have, <coughs> we have got some choice young'uns. And these young'uns, not all of them, are, are in church, y'all. But we see in the growth in these kids because we've had them now too, going three, uh, three years. And it's amazing. I mean, they know all about hugging. They know about I love you. They know who to pray to. They know when they can pray. They'll tell you right quick. We pray to God. We can pray anytime we want to. If we can raise up a generation that way, it'll impact the high school when they get there. And hey, it'll impact college if they go. Or it'll, it'll impact the workplace, wherever they go to work. It'll impact their family. We teach them. Hey, we teach them. You need to, you need to associate with Christians. I mean, hey, we drill it in every week. I mean, it's over and over. Repetition, just over and over. That's the way we're going to remember it. Same way with myself. That's the only way I remember this stuff. But anyhow, sin, anger, criticism. But then there's spiritual pride. Now this will lead to criticism. As well as a fighting spirit. You might try to deal with someone. You you know that they need to be drawn closer to God. And you try to deal with them. And they scream and yell. And and they, they, they say, mind your own business. It's tough. When you're trying to deal with a person with such a... Spiritual pride that they don't want to bend down. And if you, if you can get into where they are, most of the time they're blaming somebody else. And we've got to, folks, we've got to understand, hey, I'm the one to blame. I can't blame anybody. Can't you imagine, uh, Adam grabbing Eve by the hand, say, come on, hustle, hide in these bushes because here comes God. What if he'd have grabbed her by the hand and said, look, we got to get out of here. We can't do this apple deal here or this pear, whatever it was. <laughs> and that's what somebody said. It wasn't the apple on the tree. It was a pear on the ground. Well, whether it was or whether it was not, you know, we might have to grab somebody by the hand and pull them out of the fire. Fire of sin. Sinful. Spiritual pride. And last of all there, we're talking about uh, the peril, the the danger, the anger, the criticism, the sin, the the spiritual pride. But there's a lack of patience. You know, dealing with these little children, it takes a lot of patience. I won't call his little name, but one such little guy. I mean, our first year, he gave us fits. I mean, he wouldn't settle in on nothing. And now, hey, he's just as calm, comes in, he wants to hug you, tell you about his day, do his scripture, 
collect these little tickets. I mean, we've seen a change. And y'all, it's not in the Good News Club, y'all are part of that because you give toward it. You pray over it. And God, listen, God has given the increase. I mean, we've seen baptisms uh, out of that. And, and, and children are so thrilled to tell you, I'm going to get baptized. I mean, that's a joyous occasion in their life. And they taught us early on uh, in the Good News Club, when somebody gets saved, hey, everybody needs to scream and holler, praise the Lord, you know, get excited about it. And that's what we try to do. But, you know, lack of patience uh, sometimes can mess things up. Of course, a patient person is a joyful person. It just, it just comes all out. It's just a humble type, respectful type. Of person. Uh, you know, we don't have all the answers, y'all. God does. His Word does. And that's why we need to rely on it. When we think of the joy that was set before Jesus, who would lay down his life and die. Even though he knew what the outcome was, he wanted to avoid the suffering. We all would like to avoid the suffering, but we can't. And so when it comes, joyfully go through it because God has something better ahead. And if we want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, we've got to walk in the Spirit. And what joy it is and what joy it'll be if we'll do that. Um, this kind of joy that we've talked about tonight can only be if Jesus is in our life. And we are yielded uh, to Him uh, to where when He knocks or He tugs, that we don't resist. That we don't resist. I feel like sometimes the reason God's not doing any more than He's doing is because Christians have become resistors to the leadership and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want to be a resistor on that end. I want Him to have His way, whatever that way is. I don't have to like it because He knows best. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank You for the privilege to be here tonight. We thank You for the privilege to study about joy. What a joy and what a privilege it is, Lord, to serve you in, in this generation. Lord, I pray for our youth tonight. <clears throat> I pray for Mac and Sandra. Thank you so much for them. Who are willing to take kids into their house, into the privacy of their own home, and give them a portion of God's Word and love them. Thank you for our congregation who supports this ministry. Lord, those Bibles that were given out this morning, I pray in the name of Jesus that they'll read these things even tonight before they go to bed. Thank you for those who have come this way this evening. God, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.